my son, and yes, I tracked. It's been two weeks since I talked about him, so I'm allowed to do it again. My son, at all of two and a half years old, enjoys a good game of hide and seek. Except he doesn't understand how to play hide and seek. I mean, he knows what it means to seek. He'll tell me to go hide, I'll go hide, and he'll run around until he can find me. He, he knows what it is to seek. And he'll do that a couple times, but then he'll want daddy to be the seeker and him to be the hider. So I'll close my eyes and count to ten. And then I'll call out, ready or not, here I come. And I'll open my eyes, and I will see Patrick standing in the middle of the room in the exact same place where I left him. And then I get to exclaim, I find you, and then I can go hide again. Seeking is a pretty natural thing, is it not? See how I made that connect? Seeking is more intuitive to us than hiding is. Seeking is a natural part of our days. I spend way too much time seeking the car keys or the remote that I want. And ostensibly, we are all here today seeking something. For the next two weeks, we are going to talk about seeking. Seeking God. And seeking all the other things that we want to find here at church. Well, almost all of those things. There will not be a Sunday on seeking donuts. But if you are seeking donuts, they're right over there. We come here seeking God. It's right there, the first thing in our mission statement. We're here to authentically encounter Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why this church exists. But what is this search about? How do we seek God? And what do we find in the midst of that search? That is what we, we will be talking about for the next few weeks. But before we can go any further, I have to tell you part of the Christmas story two months before Christmas. And yes, that means that I am participating in this culture's rush to get to Christmas right after school starts. No joke, I was in Walmart at the end of September, and there were already Christmas decorations out. That is ridiculous. But whatever. Sure, it's October, but I'm talking about the wise men today. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. In Matthew 2, the Gospels tell us this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, 
and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now the story of the wise men is something that will sound familiar to us as we talk about it every Christmas. We sing songs about the wise men. We put the wise men out in our nativity sets. But can I blow your mind real quick? The Bible never says there's three of them. We assume that there are three of them because of the presence, but you know, you just know, there was one millennial there who didn't even bring a card. And I can make that joke because I'm a millennial who routinely forgets to bring cards. But part of the reason I want to talk about the story today, months before Christmas, is so that we can focus on the Magi, on the seeking, and what it means for us in our search of God. Our story begins with these mysterious men from the East, Magi, astrologers, coming to Jerusalem asking for the one born king of the Jews. News of this reaches Herod, who is the Roman-backed phony of a king over the Jews, who demands to see these magi. Herod is rightly afraid that even though he holds the political title king of the Jews, a rumor being spread about a child born to claim the Davidic promise would threaten his rule. So what we have here is the steward of Gondor, hearing that Isildur's heir has been born. You know, if you're into Lord of the Rings. But Herod is crafty. You don't get to be a Roman-backed phony of a king without knowing how to play the Game of Thrones. So when the Magi come to see him, he gives them the information they need to find the child. He's helping them, hoping that they will help him in his own quest to find the child. But when he says that he wants to pay homage and worship the newborn king, well, we all know that he's lying. Now let me pause in my storytelling for a minute because something incredible has happened in this story and we need to take notice of it. Matthew's gospel was written to a primarily Jewish early Christian community. Israel had the promise of the Messiah. They had been given promises by God that one day David's heir would be born who would usher in the kingdom. Through exile and occupation and foreign rule, they had waited for this new king of the Jews, this Messiah, to be born. This was a promise for the Jewish community that was passed down from one generation of Israelites to the next. So when the Messiah was born, when the Messiah did come into the world, certainly the Jewish community would be the first to know about it. And yet, here are these magi who come to Jerusalem, who come to the holy city proclaiming, spreading news that the Messiah had been born. This incredible, epic, wondrous event that these people had been waiting centuries for had happened, and they had no idea. And what that tells me is sometimes in the church, we can get so insular that we can become blind to what God is really doing in our world. Who wasn't blind? Who was able to see what God was doing? These magi. But who are the magi? Magi is a catch-all term in Greek that can mean wise men, astrologers, magicians, or sorcerers. They were a priestly class of Persian or Babylonian, uh, or class, sorry, they were a priestly class of Persian or Babylonian experts in the occult, such as astrology or the interpretation of dreams. To a Jewish community, 
This is the most scandalous thing that could ever happen. The Babylonians, remember, were the ones who had conquered Israel and brought about the exile. So not only did the religious elites in Jerusalem miss the coming of the Messiah, but a group of Gentile, godless, Babylonian astrologers were the ones who get the news. This is crazy. But what I also want us to see is this. The Magi saw that the Messiah had been born, but they didn't know where. They had to go to the religious elites in Jerusalem in order to continue on their quest. And here's where I want to go full-on analogy, because this is what I think the story has to do with seeking God. There are times when the church starts to exist for its own sake. There are times when the church becomes so oblivious to how God is moving in the world. There are times when the church stops trying to direct people to God, stops being about witness, stops being about evangelism. But God is still stirring people's hearts. God is still reaching out to people. God is still working in this world. And when God does, even the most insider church can still have a purpose, pointing people to the places where they can meet God. The Magi saw a star rising, and they knew it meant something. They came to Jerusalem asking where the king of the Jews had been born, but they had no idea what it meant for the king of the Jews to be born. They weren't religious. They weren't Jewish. They had no framework for understanding the implications of the Messiah's birth. They were simply trying to answer, what does this star mean? All they knew was something important was happening. All they knew was that they were witnessing and experiencing something profound. So they started seeking out what that might mean. We too are seeking. We are here because we have had a profound experience of God's grace. Maybe it was in a church service. Maybe it was during a service project. Maybe it was in a small group. Maybe it was looking out at the oceans or at the mountains. Maybe it was in seeing the birth of your child. Maybe it was in experiencing the loss of a loved one. Somewhere in life, we felt something. We couldn't name it. We couldn't explain it. But yet we knew it was real, and we knew that it required us to explore. The Magi eventually found Jesus. They found him, they knelt before him, and they worshipped him. They came to understand what it was, or rather who it was, they were seeking. Eventually, we found out, we found what we were seeking. We understood who it was that was speaking into our hearts. We found our own ways to encounter Jesus, to kneel before him, and to worship him. And we continue seeking. We continue to seek out Jesus. We continue to worship Jesus. We continue to explore what Jesus means for our lives what God is doing in our lives, who this God is, and what does it mean for our world. We seek God in the world where God is working to heal the sick, feed the hungry, and bring good news to the poor. We seek God in worship where we can feel the Spirit of God in our midst. We seek God in His Word as we daily meditate on Scripture. We seek God in creation as we see His fingerprints in the beauty and majesty of our world. We seek God in our loving relationships because we know that all love comes from God. We continue to daily seek after God. Theology has been defined as faith seeking understanding. 
We seek greater understanding of these experiences that we have. We seek to understand why it is that communion speaks to us in a special way. We seek to understand what prayer is and what it does for us. We seek to understand the great mysteries of the world, that the first shall be made last and death gives way to life. So for the next few weeks, we are going to talk about what it is to seek God and what it is we find when we come to church seeking God. We will talk about seeking community, seeking purpose, seeking healing, and seeking direction. All of these are what people seek when they come to church. All of these are what we find in the church. And all of these are ways to ultimately find Jesus. Next week, we're going to talk about the baptism of Jesus. Part of what baptism is for us is seeking acceptance and love and seeking initiation into a community. Baptism brings us into the church as it recognizes how God brings us into God's family. When we seek God, we are seeing, seeking life in the community of God, and we are seeking community found in the church. In our third week of our series, we are going to talk about seeking purpose. We are going to talk about Jesus calling the disciples, which gave their lives a new purpose. In John's gospel, the disciples were searching. They were searching for the Messiah following John the Baptist. They were seeking. And they find Jesus, and their lives are forever changed as Jesus gives them a new life, a new job, a new purpose. We will talk about what it is for us to find our new life, our new purpose, as we seek after God. Weeks four and five, you will have a guest preacher, because, uh, well, my wife and I are welcoming a new baby boy sometime in the next four weeks, <laughs> whenever the little guy decides to. My wife is saying that he has outgrown his apartment. So uh, also, if you ever hear my cell phone going off, my apologies, but at this point, the please silence your phones no longer applies to me. I've made that executive decision. Um, but there will be a guest preacher here for weeks four and five. He's um, becoming a good friend of mine. He's the new uh, campus ministry pastor, director at George Mason University. Uh, so he'll be here for those two weeks. And then on the 27th, which is not a part of the sermon series, but just as by way of PSA, uh, Richard Cobb, who has worked in the Emmaus community and is an associate pastor at Dumfries, is lined up to come and preach here. Uh, so hopefully you'll, you'll like all of them, but not as much as you like me. <laughs> <laughs> but I hesitate to say too much about the sermons that I won't be here for and won't be writing, but here's the gist, just to cap off our introduction. We're going to talk about seeking healing and salvation, which God promises to give us. God promises us those things in this life as well as the life to come. If you are seeking healing from past hurts, if you are seeking salvation from past sins, if you are seeking protection from life's hurts, you will find them in God. And lastly, we will talk about seeking direction. God gives us direction in how to live in sync with the universe which is not the way that the world tells us to live. The world requires us to be successful, to be wealthy, to be powerful, or to be influential. God requires that we seek, seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. The world calls the, success, the successful blessed, the wealthy blessed, the powerful blessed, the influential blessed. God calls the poor blessed, the peacemakers blessed, those who mourn blessed. 
God gives us new direction in this life. One not dominated by things of this world, but one that reflects the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ back into this world. We find all of these things and more when we seek God. We find all these things in our search after God. The Magi were seeking Jesus and they found him. But then, upon finding Jesus, Scripture says they returned to their home taking a different route. When we find Jesus, when we find God, when we find our place in the church, we can't take the same paths in life again. We are forever changed. My hope is that at the end of this sermon series, we too might be different, that we might be changed, that as we think about and meditate on what it is to seek after God, the grace of God would continue the redeeming work begun at our baptism. This is the last we ever hear about the Magi in Scripture. I wonder what they did when they returned home. I wonder if they gave up astrology in order to worship Jesus, the Messiah of Israel, the son of the living God, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Or if they continued to seek truth and beauty and wisdom apart from God. We may never know how they responded after their quest for God ended. But we can know how we will respond. We can know what will happen to us when we return home. We can know what will become of us gathered here. Let us pray. Almighty and all-living God, we have come here this day because you have risen something within us. You have spoken into our lives. You have spoken into our hearts. You have, you have spoken into our souls. And we've taken notice. At first, we might not have known what it was that was going on. At first, we might not have known that it was you calling out to us. But as we have searched, as we have continued to seek you out, as we have followed those nudgings, we've come to know you. We have come to worship you. We have found you. We have knelt before you. So God, in our seeking, meet us. As we continue to look for you, as we continue to know you more and more, as we continue to fall more and more in love with you, continue to meet us in those places. Continue to meet us in worship and in prayer. Meet us in your word. But God, we, we don't just want to meet you there. We want you to transform us. We want our encounters with you to change us. We want to be the people that you created us to be. So God, as, as we go about these next few weeks... We ask that you would mold us and shape us. Sanctify us with your spirit. Perfect us with your grace. So that we can be more and more the disciples, the Christians, the church that you made us to be. 
All this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.